Hello and welcome to another episode of the Alon's Geek Podcast. Today we're we are going to be talking about Path to Glory, and by we I mean mostly Jake because I don't know anything about it. Woo! So, Jake, go. So, <laughs> Path to Glory is a it's another again another reason why I like this. It's another one of these Warhammer Age of Sigmar starter things. Um, and this one's really good if you have friends that like collecting, but they don't like bookkeeping. Because and what do you mean by bookkeeping? Uh, there are no point costs in uh, Path of Glory. Huh. Uh, how the game works is when you start the Path of Glory campaign, and I'm going to pick a random of these four battle tomes that I brought. Uh, I'm going to go with Legions and Nagash real quick. You pick an unnamed character. Okay. It has to be a generic character. It can't be one of the unique ones. And they put it in a different space in every book. So give me one second to find where they hit, hit it in here. I've noticed that their books don't seem terribly well organized, like, like as well as they used to be lately. Yeah. So the um, in the book, you pick your uh, uh, the, the general for your army. And in this case, for Legions of Nagash, you have to pick which of the four legions you're playing under. So it can either be a, the Grand Host of Nagash, the Legion of Sacrament, the Legion of Blood, or the Legion of Night. Hmm. And depending on which one you pick, it like, gives you different options that you can pick for your character. And so, just because we'll go with Grand Host of Nagash, because his name's on the cover of the book, your options are a Vampire Lord on Zombie Dragon, or a Vampire Lord. Hmm. And, depending on, and if you pick the Vampire Lord on Zombie Dragon, you get to pick four followers. Hmm. And if you pick the Vampire Lord, you get to pick six. And then there's a retinue followers table, a hero followers table, and an elite retinue followers table, which costs two rolls. Okay. And then so let's say we go with the vampire lord because he gets six units, and we yeah. like having more stuff. Yes. So we decide we're going to roll once on the retinue followers table. And you don't have to roll. You can just pick it, but rolling's fun too. Yeah. So you roll a die, and it comes up three. So you get to add ten skeleton warriors to your army. Okay. And you've still got five more to go, so you roll on uh, you roll on the same table, and you get a two, which gives you one Morgost Archai, which are one of those really big uh, winged golems that they have in the uh, in the army. Uh, hmm. They're basically like Nagash's elite emissaries. These ones. Oh, I have I have never seen one of those models. <laughs> they're just really big. They're not characters. But they perform a similar function to like lower tier characters in the last edition, cool. where they, they they provide kind of like a buff window. Yeah. Um, and so you've used up two of yours there. You decide you want to add a follow or hero, so you roll a die on that and you get a white king. Okay. So that's three of your choices. Then you decide you want to be elite, so you roll a d6 and you get a terror geist. And so now you're up to your five of your six choices. Okay. And you go back and you roll again on the retinue followers table, and you get five black knights. So we've got an army of one Morgost Archai, ten skeleton warriors, five black knights, one white king, and one terrorgeist. Hmm. Plus your vampire lord. Okay. That's your whole army. Now you play a game with somebody else who has put together an army in the exact same way, just from their faction. Okay. You play out a match, and at the end of the match, each person rolls a d6 and you get to um and if it's a one to a two you add a uh additional follower okay. so you get to roll on any of the follower units hmm. uh if you get a two 
or uh, sorry, rather a three or four, uh, you get to roll on the champion's reward table, hmm. which gives a permanent buff to your character that lasts for the rest of the campaign. Nice. Um, but there is a slight gamble with that that I'll come back to. Uh, so this is a campaign yes. specifically sort of game. Yeah, yeah. Not something we would sit down and just bang out one quick game randomly. And I mean, we could if we wanted to, to but but the intent for it is to have a, a an extended campaign. Uh, okay. And then uh, if you get a five or a six, you get to roll on the follower's reward, which is you pick one of your units that follows your leader, and they get a permanent buff for the mm. rest of the campaign. Could be cool. And then each game, you get a number of glory points that are worth, uh, that are what builds you up towards winning the campaign. Mm-hmm. And then you set at the start of the campaign, like what the, you know, we decide, okay, the first person to 10 glory doesn't necessarily, doesn't automatically win, but it's when you get to 10 glory, if you win your next game, you win the campaign. Okay. You know, 10 is the standard, but you can change it, like, and, and it recommends changing it if you're doing like a more than two player campaign. Right. And that's actually where the uh, we come back to the elites. Uh, the elites they cost two rolls when you're putting your army together. Beginning, they but you only get one roll off of the followers' tables when you roll uh, mm-hmm. when you get that option. So if you want to add an elite to your army later, you spend the roll and one of your glory points. Mm-hmm. So you have to push yourself further away from eventual victory, but you get this. Something big and something big and bad. Yeah, presumably the Fire Slayer's tome is going to have magma drops. Oh, I'm sure there. <laughs> if if magma drops can be fielded without a writer. Oh yeah, yeah. But I was talking about how there's a gamble on the champion rewards table. Mm-hmm. Now normally they've got some really great stuff on there, like uh, for the champion rewards table for Legion of the Gash. Uh, if you it's a two d six roll, mm-hmm. and if you roll a four, he you add one to their wounds characteristic. Always good. Uh, rolling an eight, you pick one of their weapons and you add one to hit rolls with that weapon. Okay. But all of them have on the double one option across all of the army books. Basically, you screwed up, and it kills the character. <laughs> and you have to like 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 that character is gone, and you have to roll a new commander for your army. Yow. Now noted, it can be the same model. Yeah. So, like, 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 if you had a vampire lord on zombie dragon, yeah, you can totally bring a vampire lord on zombie dragon back. But any bonuses that have been gained I'm by because that character is dead. Yeah. <laughs> also, there's it's unclear in the army books, and I have never actually read the Path to Glory campaign book, mm-hmm. so I'm not 100 percent sure on this. But as I understand it, when you pick your general, you pick their army, like their commander trait mm-hmm. and their artifact right and you don't get to change it for the rest of the campaign because it's the same Mm. guy and so losing your character is the only way that you get to change which you might want to do yeah (laughs) okay now can your general or anything else like permanently die essentially uh in a way other than being killed by the table no if your character is killed in a battle, they are assumed basically to have survived their injuries and they're back for the next battle. Okay. Um, and then technically, different armies do it different ways. Mm-hmm. Like for the uh, Legions of Nagash, it's unfavored. And it's the champion has displeased Nagash. If they're ever slain, you lose D3 glory points and he's gone forever. Oh, nice. Whereas the Chaos 
one is, uh, at least for Magikan of Nurgle, is basically you made Papa Nurgle unhappy, and he, um, what the gods give is what it's called. And it's, <laughs> he's offended their patron and is punished by being condemned to spondum. You lose D3 glory points, remove your champion and all rewards they gain from the table from your warband roster. If your warband has another hero, that model now n- takes charge and becomes your new champion. Ooh. <laughs> However, you can Im- if your champion was a mortal, you can immediately add a chaos spawn to your army as a follower. <laughs> so if you roll a double one for Magikin of Nurgle, one of your other characters gets promoted, and your other guy gets, if it's a demon, returned to the realm of chaos and isn't allowed to come out for a while. If it's a human, they get turned into a chaos spawn. Huh. That's kind of nice. I like that there's difference, different ones between factions. That it's not just oh they're gone. Yeah, and so it, it gets it gets handled in different ways from faction to faction. Every faction has different different rules for the follower rewards uh, or champion rewards. Some of them get like really complicated, like the the Caradron Overlords. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have a they have for the follower reward tables. They've got one table for vehicles and one table for like infantry, huh. because you give different rewards to your ships than you do to your soldiers. Makes sense. And then <laughs> Legions of Nagash does the same thing, where it's a monster rewards. Monster followers get one reward table, and regular followers get another. But the one thing that every faction has in common on this, I just I I looked up my uh, digital army book for the Stormcast Eternals, and it's kind of funny. The uh, Elite Sacrosanct Retinue Followers Table, it has one entry. Oh. So, but it still has the, 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 the columns there. D6, first entry. One through six, next column. Followers, three evocators on Draco lanes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, like, uh... No matter what. Yeah, the, that's what you're getting. The Maggotkin Elite Followers Table. The it it it's got a little bit of a funny one because it's um if you play Rockbringers, uh, on a D6 roll of one to two, you get five putrid blood kings. Okay. On a D6 roll of three to four, you get five putrid blood kings. And on a D6 roll of five to six, you get two Pusquoil Blight Lords. Okay. But for uh if you're running if you want to run demon models, you know, you, you want to take from demon models. A roll of one to two is three plague drones. A roll of three to four is three plague drones. A roll of five to six is three plague drones. <laughs> Weird. Um, there is an interesting point that is made, and uh, I learned this one just from like t- uh, talking with people online and like watching videos. You can't change the point, uh, the, the the numbers in a unit. Mm-hmm. So like one of the things was on the legions and the gash. One of the units you can throw is you know ten skeleton warriors. Well, if later on you add to your army and you roll ten skeleton warriors, you now have two units of ten skeleton warriors. Not you can't one combine unit. twenty. Huh. That's odd. Which can get difficult with certain units because there's a lot of units that get bonuses based on how many models are in. Yeah. But you, unless you house rule it, otherwise you can't fold units into each it other. It seems reasonable to let you like eat one of your glory to combine two units yeah. into one. But and of course the whole idea behind it is it's trying to encourage people to play these small scale narrative games. Yeah. Um, but if you happen to have like a unit of forty old skeletons laying around and you only have like one champion, one drummer, and one banner bearer, 
<laughs> it can you be might kind of like to jam them all into one instead yeah. of like four units of ten. Uh, the uh, the the roll of a two on the the Stormcast champion rewards is not terribly interesting. Dark Destiny. If your champion is slain, you lose D3 glory points to a minimum of zero and must remove all rewards your champion has gained from this table so far on your Warband roster. Generate a new champion from the champion's table. Meh. Lord of Lightning. Once per battle, at the start of your hero phase, you can roll a die uh, if your champion has been slain on a 5+, set up your champion more than 9 inches away from the enemy and roll a D3. The result is the number of wounds they have remaining. <laughs> This counts as their move for the following movement phase. Oh no. The uh <laughs> They come back from the dead. <laughs> the Magakin of Nurgle double six is twice blessed champion. You roll twice on the table and apply both results, but you ignore rolls of two and twelve. Oh nice. Um and then of course there's the patronage of Nurgle, which is seven, eight, and nine, which has which lets you roll on a third ta- uh, second table that has three levels. And so if you roll a 7, you roll at level 1, uh, an 8, you roll at level 2, and a uh, 9, you roll at level 3. And the patronage of Nurgle can get pretty bad. <laughs> hmm. But then you also have your followers' rewards, which can be really handy as well. Like the uh, the 6 on Magakin's followers' rewards is also twice-blessed followers, roll twice and uh, apply further rolls, or apply both results. Uh, result number five gives them a once per battle, you can roll a die for each model in the unit that's been slain, and on a five or six, you return the model to the unit. Huh. Cool. So you can potentially take a unit that was almost completely eliminated, and if you can roll enough fives and sixes, get the unit back up to full strength. It's hmm. kind of cool. Seems like there's a lot of thematically appropriate stuff in here. For which, Path to Glory. Which makes sense, because... The whole idea of Path to Glory is that it is narrative. And if you get the Path to Glory book, they have a recommended campaign that has like a specific order that they expect, not that they expect you to play in, but that you should play in. And that campaign, uh, a lot of those missions are really fun. Mm-hmm. But it really gives you some interesting like narrative opportunities to like build rivalry between between like different players' characters and things like that. Because you know, <laughs> like one of the missions is you know I'm trying to build this tower to my respective god, and you're trying to kick it over, and so I just have to hold out until I've accrued enough points to win. But you just have to kick my tower over. So I've got to fight it, like fight to protect it tooth and nail. Yeah. And if you knock it over, you know, oh now my now my sorcerer lord is really mad at you. <laughs> <laughs> and so when we come to battle later, he's going to be pissed. <laughs> uh, I just you you may have noticed uh, while you were talking, I had a suddenly really horrified expression. Yeah. It's because I was looking at the table here of uh, the the warband tables for the stormcast, and so like there's just one champion table, so it looks like no matter what. Uh, chamber you go with, you have the same options for your champion. Okay. Um, a Drake Sworn Templar gets zero units. <laughs> go figure. Yeah. A yeah. knight riding on a dragon doesn't get any other dudes. <laughs> but, um, okay, so there's the retinue followers table, and then there's the elite retinue followers table, which, weirdly enough, has a chamber that's not listed on anything else, which is the extremist chamber. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, yeah. uh, but that one, you know, this one, it's, you know, 
uses two rolls or one roll and a glory point. And it's got the warrior chamber, the vanguard, auxiliary chamber, and the extremist chamber. And then separately is the elite sacrosanct retinue chamber, which is the one that has just the, the, the three dragons. evocators on dracolines. But also it has a different cost. It uses three rolls or one roll and two glory. The, the, but the turtle. Then you know exactly what you're getting, too. <laughs> the turtle for Agnath Deepkin does the same thing. Because that turtle's a bad time. Stormcast wizards riding wingless dragons are pretty BA. So. Yeah. Yeah, the, the, the turtle has a two ballistas and a, a bubble that creates a minus one to hit models within, I think it's six inches of the turtle. Oh, huh, nice. So, yeah, it's it's a bad time. <laughs> Now thinking of finding Nemo. Well, I like the uh, the explanation for it. <laughs> the explanation for it is the when the Agnet Deep can go to war, they bring the Ether Sea with them. Yeah, which is this magical fusion of air and sea that lets air breathing things breathe water and water breathing things breathe air. Mm-hmm. But it actually makes the air act like water. Yeah. So the drummer on the back of the turtle is hitting the drum so hard, it's creating vibrations mm-hmm. in the water that are disrupting your ability to see around him. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this is one of the things I like about the settings of Age of Sigmar over the old world of Warhammer Fantasy is that they allow for so much more absurd stuff it's so creative and you don't need to concoct an explanation for it really because it's all just a bunch of lands that are made entirely of magic so why not have essentially a a barely understood magic at that a bunch of aquatic elves who can make their turtles and eel mounts and stuff essentially fly (laughs) Because the air is the ocean now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, uh, as as far as actual games of it go, is there a turn limit? Uh, is there a set like table size? There is not a set table size, but it does recommend smaller uh, smaller battlefields because you're going to be fielding smaller armies. Yeah, I, like, like I think some of the books, like if if, if you. If you play the missions out of the um, out of the campaign book, mm-hmm. there are recommended um, sizes for the board. But the thing is, those recommended sizes assume that you're playing them in a specific order. Mm-hmm. And like the one of the campaigns I watched, they played them out of order. <laughs> well, so you might they, wind up with a really huge table with a really small army. Well, uh, what it was is they played a early mission late. Oh no! So it was a. It was a mission that had a... in shoulder to shoulder then. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was, it was a really... Like, like, if they had played it early on, it probably would have been a, like, five-turn game. Right. And I want to say it sticks with the standard five to six turns for Path mm-hmm. of Glory. It ended up being a two-turn game because there wasn't... There were too many models on the board for that yeah. mission. So there's... <laughs> technically speaking, there isn't a recommended... There's not a, there's not a hard size yeah. board there's recommended size boards but they're assuming that you're playing in a specific order yeah. and so you're unlikely to have all of these extra units you know you know it's one thing when you play this mission as battle two it's something else when this mission is battle four and people <laughs> have potentially gained four units over the course of this campaign or three units over the course of this campaign 
Yeah. Which, depending on the army, those units could be pretty big. Yeah. Or if you're playing Stormcast, then it's like five dudes. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe but, three if they're riding on things. But it still has access to all of the same, like, allegiance abilities mm-hmm. of special army faction rules. So, like, if you have a, if you have army, an army with teleporting rules, like the, uh, I don't know if Stormcasters, I don't know if Stormcast can still ride the lightning. I think only, like, the Knight Zephyros and those related Vanguard stuff can do that. Okay. There, there, there was a point where certain, I think it was like certain characters could make um, infantry units ride the lightning and teleport across the battlefield. Yeah, I think now there's a couple of units that essentially have that ability built into them. And I know Nave Black Talon and I think a regular uh, Knight Zephyros, they have an ability that lets them piggyback when a unit uses that within a certain distance of them. But it's a if you have teleporting units, you still get to use your teleporting rules. That's fun um, <laughs> for you, not your opponent. <laughs> yeah, and it, it doesn't expressly state that you can't use like built-in terrain. Mm-hmm. So like if you have like a, a, a Sylvaneth faction where they have their Sylvaneth Wildwoods, which are a huge part of how the Sylvaneth play, um, you still get your Wildwoods. Mm-hmm. Um, Skaven would still get their Nawholes. It's just. They're generally smaller games, but especially as you get late into the campaign, and especially if you're playing a like multiple-player game, mm-hmm. uh, your armies can get pretty big. Now, I guess you're technically limited to whatever units are on the charts. Yes. So... Well, yes and no. There is, like, a caveat. If your army's allegiance is Stormcast Eternals, you are limited to... Stormcast Eternal units. Right. But if you're... And it's kind of one of the... It's one of the areas where generic chaos gets a little bit of an edge. If my army... If my army is Nurgle, or if my army is Death, mm-hmm. I can roll on any Nurgle or Death. Huh. So, like, for Maggotkin of Nurgle, yeah, I can roll on the tables that are in here, but I can also roll on the Slaves to Darkness table. Hmm. That's in the Path to Glory campaign book. Yeah. I can also roll on the Skaven Clan Pestilence table wow. <laughs> because Clan Pestilence have the Nurgle keyword. Yeah, that's interesting. And then if I pick Death for Legions of Nagash, yeah. Hmm. Now, 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 now that it's Legions of Nagash, I'm a lot more limited because I have to pick what Legion I'm in and you know, there's all of that. But before the Legions of Nagash book came out, you could just pick Death and roll off of anything in the Death faction. <laughs> Um, now, for the most part, you do have to stick to the charts that are in your book. I'd imagine you probably want to stick to yeah. the charts that are in your book most of the time, unless you just have a unit that has a shared keyword and you want to get them into the game. But the only way, and, it, and it's basically only the chaos, like like the specifics, like, like the Maggot Kid of Nurgle, the, 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 the Disciples of Zinch, the um, Blades of Corn, and the upcoming Heat Knights of Slanesh. Mm-hmm. They've got their army, but then they can also roll on the Slaves to Darkness table, because the Slaves to Darkness can take any of those keywords. Hmm. And then, of course, you can just roll on the Slaves to Darkness table. Now, if you roll on the Slaves to Darkness table, you can only take Slaves to Darkness. Right. So Hmm. if you want to run them, then you can only run them. But if you run Maggotkin, you can, at least theoretically, assuming that that hasn't been eroded, you could run a Maggotkin army that also has... Some slaves of darkness in it. Yeah, that seems reasonable to let things that are 
essentially even just like within the same uh, grand alliance share be used bit. together really if you're if you're doing this like and in a non-competitive way which it doesn't seem like it's intended to be yeah. competitive it's intended to be really. completely narrative as a so, fun way to interact with people yeah so you can always house rule it yeah so, but i enjoyed watching a uh, a series on youtube that was i think it ended up being five people that were doing a um a path to glory campaign and so like they would like Roll, they would draw lots to see who they played against that week. Mm-hmm. And then, like, person A plays against person B, and person C plays against person D, and they had to play the same scenario. Mm-hmm. But then the next week, they would trade partners. Okay. And so, like, if I played against A and I won, then I would play, and, like, C played against D and C won, I would play C and D would play B. Okay, so tournament bracket. And basically. then the next, and then whoever won the next weeks would play against each other and whoever lost would play against each other. And it's, they had a fun way of doing that. And then for the last episode of the campaign, they're like, okay, we've got it to the point where there's like two people who have 10 glory and two people that have nine. So what we're going to do, how we're going to do this is we're going to have one giant four player game and whoever wins this game wins the campaign. So even Jack, who's like, I think he was actually like at seven, not at nine. So even Jack, who's a good long ways away from winning, he can come from behind and win this, this game, if he can, if he can pull it off. But, and then the the two guys that are, that tied to get to 10 at the same time, (laughs) they are like, they're trying to beat each other, but Jack can totally come from behind and and claim the win. Hmm. So that was a, that was a fun way to run it for them. And again, it's purely narrative. It's all about having fun. It's it's not a focus on competitive play, yeah. which is another reason why I like it because I do like that as a hey, this is a way we can bring new people into the game. Yeah, uh, it sounds like a fun structure, uh, fairly loose, but and it's also a fun way to build a new army if you're into that. Yeah, that too, um, which I'm sure. That's why they made it. Because, <laughs> well, it's also, uh, if you look very closely at the um, unit sizes mm-hmm. for each uh, faction, mm-hmm. uh, uh, most of the unit sizes on the table are how much come in the box. Yeah. Like there's, a, there's a few exceptions, but most of them are... They're either what comes in a box or they are half of a box. <laughs> yeah. And so it's, it's, it's fairly obvious that this was a, you know, something where just like two people could sit down pull out a pad, roll some dice, I'm like, okay, I need to go buy this character and these units, and then put those together and play. Or even the other way around, where, like, I've bought a box of ten liberators. Yeah. I'm going to build a unit of five, and another unit of five, and forego rolling, because that's what I had. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then it's just over the campaign, you know, it's like, okay, I get to add another unit to my army, what do I want to add? And then either roll it to decide what you're going to buy, or this is what I've been looking at, and oh, hey, that's on the table. I'm going to go buy this, and I'm going to add this to my army. Yeah. So is there a 40K equivalent of this? Yes and no. Hmm. I was expecting just a hard no. <laughs> uh, there is a... The, the actual first occurrence of Path to Glory was in 40K. Huh. It was a chaos-only narrative campaign. Okay. And it functioned, it was a chaos, specifically it was a chaos space marines only narrative campaign. Okay. And you decided on, um, you, you would pick a character, that character, I think 
they didn't have to be dedicated to a god, mm-hmm. but uh, it was a good idea to dedicate them to a god because that unlocked um, that god's special units. Yeah. <laughs> uh, made them easier to add to your army. Um, and it was a, that character is trying to become a demon prince. And if you accrued enough glory points, then you got to replace your commander with a demon prince. Oh, fun. <laughs> and then once you had your demon prince, if you won your next game, then you got to win the campaign. Hmm. Cool. But that was a, I think that was a white dwarf supplement that came out like probably six years ago. <laughs> and you can still find a couple of the mm. campaigns on YouTube. I don't think it was that long ago because that would have been around the time that I quit playing. And the thing that had come out right when I quit playing was Crusade of Fire. Okay. So it might have been right after that. Yeah. But it was it was a few years ago. Might um, have been during 7th edition. I would bet. But it was set up in a very similar way where it was a, you get your commander, you roll for your units, you can add more units as the campaign goes on. Um, but it only accounted for chaos space birds. So in 40k as it currently sits in April of 2019, there is not. There is not. Well, that's unfortunate because that's a nice sort of style to it. And I like the way that the that Games Workshop seems to be actually thinking about different ways to play the games that they make and ways to make them a little more accessible and a little bit cheaper. If I had to guess, though, why it's not in 40k, I mean, mm-hmm. it's because Age of Sigmar is significantly more hero-focused, mm-hmm. whereas... 40k has a much more a, a much more diffused focus across the whole army. Yeah. You know, your characters are important, but they're not going to be. <laughs> it's very rare for your characters to be the linchpin of your army. Whereas in Age of Sigmar, they can totally be like <laughs> the thing that holds your army together. And so, and Path to Glory does have that very character-driven yeah. element to it. Hmm. And so I can see that being why we don't have an equivalent in modern 40k is just because there's not that same degree of character focus. Yeah. Hmm. 40k is not quite as heroic as Age of Sigmar <laughs> is. <laughs> no. Uh, it seems like you could probably cobble together something similar using the, the power structure that they stick yeah. to their... Uh, I could see that. To the, to, to the data sheets for all their units in 40k set 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 a uh, maximum power that would be for one choice and then anything beyond that power is a two choice or whatever yeah. uh not counting heroes because heroes are going to be heroes are always a one choice option but yeah. heroes are small <laughs> <laughs> the i think the hardest part about it would be determining uh how many choices you could apply to well you might even right. just say you might even just cap a starting army at like 10 power or it could be a mm-hmm. um it could be something where you you figure out like like get an idea of what you want the power to be for an army. So like mm-hmm. let's say you pick a twenty as like a starting power, mm-hmm. uh, which is actually a really small army in retrospect. But whatever. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, we'll say thirty. We'll say thirty. You want you want thirty to be your starting army, mm-hmm. um, and basically have it be where your character's power is taken out of that thirty. Yeah. And so you have you know so many choices. And you calculate the general, like, what goes where based on that. We want to have around 30 power in a game. Yeah. That'd be my guess. Yeah. It'd be nice to see them actually make, to, to see them actually put together, you know, with presumably some playtesting and stuff, 
a similarly structured campaign thing to do for uh, 40k that required a smaller army yeah. in the way that this can take. Like, if I mean, I would say probably by the end of it, like you could probably go through a whole little campaign of Path to Glory using a start collecting box. There's actually rules apparently in the Path to Glory book about starting with a start collecting box <laughs> because the start collecting boxes don't quite line up with yeah. uh, the way that the factions would go. But you could run it as a, you buy your start collecting box, I'll buy my start collecting box, we'll play the first game and build our armies from there. Yeah. But it's it's a, I mean, you only have a one in three chance every game of adding to your, uh, adding units to your army. Mm-hmm. And you're unlikely to have more than five or six units starting. Yeah. Actually, you're not going to have more than, I think there's one character in the entire game that has a starting seven units. But most of them, it's between four and six. <laughs> And also take into account that there are units that cost more than one. Yeah. Because like like uh, the Lord of Plagues from the Magakin, he gets four choices. Well, if you want to go really mortal heavy, Light Kings cost two choices. Which means a starting uh, Magakin army is one character and ten guys. Yeah. <laughs> now noted, each of those ten guys has like four wounds. <laughs> and then he has, I think, seven. Yuck. So it's not like it's not a resilient army, but there's only so many places, especially because a lot of the Path to Glory missions are objective holding missions. Yeah. There's only so many places you can have your guys. Yeah. Guessing the units actually behave as units the same yes. way that they do in, like yeah, a, they, they, in they, a regular game. One Aside from army construction, Path to Glory operates exactly like a game of Age of Sigma. Hmm. Cool. Uh, and it's just you get special bonuses for your characters and units is the campaign. Cool. And then most of the unit bonuses are once per game kind of things. Okay. So it's like once per game you can heal a couple of wounds, or once per game you can re-roll a failed charge, or stuff like that. <laughs> but the nice thing is, is every army book that came out after the Path to Glory book originally came out has Path to Glory rules in it. Hmm. It doesn't have, like, the scenarios... Yeah. But it's got everything that you need to play with that faction. Yeah. But, so you don't even really need the Path to Glory book. Yeah, if you're willing to do a little upfront work of like designing your own scenarios, then... Which, that's a fun thing that you could use the Open War cards for. Open War? Uh, it's, a seri- it's a deck of cards that you draw um, a deployment scenario and special twist from. Oh. That, uh, oh, kind of like the environment... Things that they give you for kill team. Kind of, yeah. Sort of. But it's, um, there's also a, because it's, every game will have a deployment, a scenario, and a, um, or an objective, and a twist. And then they they have these for 40k and for fantasy, and they're really similar. So, like, one of them will be, like, you know, it'll be like a, a, you deploy in this corner and I deploy in this corner. Mm And then the objective is we're trying to capture these three objectives in the middle. And the twist is that there's like pieces of starship raining down on the battlefield. So we have to roll a die for every unit. And if we roll a six, they get hit with a chunk of starship and take wounds. Yeah. Uh, that's what I liked about the uh, endless spells for uh, Yo, yeah. for, for, the, for the Stormcast Eternals. They have one that just drops a comet on the table. Yes. But the... Uh, <laughs> Uh, but then each player, and you would probably not do this in a game of, you would ignore this part in a game of uh, uh, Path to Glory, 
but they're fun cards to have for um, just regular open play, is there's a... They call it different things for different stuff, and I can't remember what they call them, but it's if one army has like fewer points or whatever, mm -hmm. you get a card that's a special thing that you can play during the mission mm -hmm. to try to level the playing field. And if the gap is significant enough, then you draw from the other pile, and it's a second thing that you can do that's... <laughs> That's a that's an instant win condition. Oh, nice. Because it's like I think it's if it's if, if if you have fewer points, I want to say it is in 40k, you draw the card that gives you like, aha, I play this card and I can bring this unit you wiped out back, and I just redeploy them in my deployment zone and and they can go. Mm -hmm. um, but then there's one where it's a aha, I killed your general, I win. <laughs> and so you have the first one where it's a, I, I I'm fewer points than you, so I can bring a unit back. Or there's, I have half the points you do, so if I kill your general, I win. <laughs> <laughs> That's kind of nice. But um, we're running kind of long already. Hopefully we'll be able to bring some... Hopefully we'll be able to get to try out some yeah. different game styles and, and give some more informed feedback. Yeah, rather than just sitting here commenting on what's in the books. Yeah. <laughs> Without having ever actually played. I've still yet to actually play... A current 40k or Age of Sigmar at all. So. And this would be a good way to practice Age of Sigmar. I, I'm really more excited about uh, Skirmish. Yeah. But uh, well, I also... Graduate from Skirmish to this. Yes. <laughs> so we, we've got some uh, actual gaming to do sometime uh, in the next month. Hopefully. Well, hopefully. <laughs> but uh, thanks for listening. Have a good one. Depending on how good the microphone is, it may be able to hear the dog. Oh, now she's stuck. And now she's looking. Accusingly. You're talking about me. <laughs> yes, I'm talking about you to the internet. <laughs>